Hi, welcome to Film Fam, inspired by true events. I'm Heather. I'm Brian. And I'm Zoe. And we're the Greys. We're your Film Fam. For today's companion mini-sode to our Do the Right Thing episode, we're so excited to be talking to Miles Green and Max Vargas Ambrus, NYU Tisch students. Welcome to the podcast, Miles, Max. How are you guys doing? Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, thanks for having me. It's it's really great to be here. I'm doing okay. I, I, I uh, can't complain. Gotta be honest. For our listeners at home, that voice was Miles. <laughs> yes, and, yes, uh, yes. Max. I probably should have <laughs> slated before. How very actor of me to forget. Max, what does your voice sound like? And I'm Max. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, and thank you for having us. Well, thank you for being on the show. I'm really excited uh, to be able to talk to some more NYU Tisch students. You're all, I mean, you're living in New York, being talented, (laughs) being actors. It's exciting. (laughs) I guess, you know, I asked you, how are you doing in a upbeat way? And I also want to say, but how are you doing? (laughs) Mm. Mm. There's such a switch in those questions. Now I feel like I got to give a serious answer. Um. I gotta be honest. Um, yeah, it's going pretty well, but it is troublesome. Um, I feel like you know, with the current climate of the uh, of society, um, especially with like um, the things that are happening just in our society, and then COVID on top of it all, the big epidemic, the big problem of our world right now. Um, it's it's difficult, you know. Um, it's difficult, uh, especially uh, learning in college in a college setting. But um, you know, uh, for me, I feel like I'm try my best to like plow through it and like find new ways to like overcome it. As for me, I, I, I do feel like I'm doing pretty well on the whole. I just, I'm in a place where I'm considering deleting Instagram again. I had to delete it back in June. Um, and I'm thinking about doing it again just because it's, it's hard for me. I want to stay as engaged as possible, but sometimes hearing all about brutality uh, gets a little overwhelming. So I'm thinking about unplugging at the moment. Yeah. That sounds like a healthy choice to make sometimes. Mm. Yeah. It's a it's a big decision though. I mean cuz you want to know things and you want right. to be connected to your friends and if it gets that bad that it's better to be disconnected than connected, that's a bad situation. Yeah, and it's hard because like especially like we like so much of our like opportunities, I guess, or like networking stuff is online. And I kind of wish it wasn't because there's lots of times where I'm like, I wish I wasn't on Twitter as much as I am. But also that's where like I post about shows and stuff like that. So it's hard to like decide how much to be in that, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely feel like it's it's hard figuring out how involved you want to be, you know, especially when it comes to the the painful stuff. Um, for me, I will say like, uh, I, I relate to that, Max. I, I have like considered deleting Instagram altogether, just shutting off like all social media for like a good while. Um, you know, that tussle inside your mind of like, what do you want to pay attention to? What do you want to stay engaged in? And I feel like, you know, it may seem like you're just checking out, but you know, when the pain is so prominent and so traumatic, it, it does make that like, it, it's a valid argument to make to yourself Mm. i mean it's self-care and that's important you don't have to continue to traumatize yourself you know Mm. yeah well let's talk about do the right thing then (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, actually, we're not going to just talk about do the right thing, but our last episode that this is a companion piece to was about do the right thing and about the true events that inspired it. And it was very heavy and hard and sad. And um, But I really just want to talk to you guys as actors, you know, uh, living in New York, you know, same school that Spike Lee's at and mm-hmm. just, you know, your experience in that way. And of course, anything, you know, uh, we can hold space for anything you that comes up about this. But I guess my first question is, Do the Right Thing came out 30 years ago. And I would say it it changed the landscape for black actors and directors and, and black filmmaking. You know, Spike Lee said he wanted to start a conversation and change things. And he has since then continued to have that conversation a lot in his films. And I wanted to ask you, what are your experiences um, as an actor being a catalyst for social change? Hmm. Yeah, that's a really, really great question. Um, I've sort of been asking myself the same question as I'm starting to develop as a uh, as a black artist in this world. Um, I actually remember um, I saw Do the Right Thing, I want to say a few years ago now. Um, my dad showed me because just he had to, you know. And um, honestly, I didn't even get it. Not the entire thing, but especially the ending. The ending uh, when uh, when Spike's character, he like goes against like his bosses and he adds to the the protest and the and the right. and the sort of a uh, riot that is going on by throwing the trash can in the uh, um, in the shop. Um, I didn't get it at first. And I sat there and I told him I was like, OK, like I understand, but I don't understand why. And my dad explained it to me as well. Um, and I didn't get that either until George Floyd was murdered. Then I got it because I feel like, I feel like that sort of is, um, part of a big part of the black experience. Like we experience so much pain and so much trauma on the day to day. And, um, I guess sometimes it could seem difficult to like decide, uh, you know, which side do I choose? Do I decide to be civil or do I like let slip the dogs of war? You know, it's sort of like a moral dilemma. But at the end of the day, that that feeling that you have to stick with your family, the feeling that you have to stick with those who are also going through the same pain, that was sort of the point to me. And that point was definitely made apparent after my uh, dad definitely went in depth with that explanation. And especially after I experienced my own sort of trauma myself with the George Floyd mur- murder. And um, I feel... Uh, to the question that um, as an artist, I feel like that's sort of the almost, I guess, responsibility that I feel is falling to me, or at least the one that I'm trying to choose to take up, is that, um, you know, to get more of those messages out there, you know, because I feel like especially as we go on in society, and especially as more and more of these things happen, they get seen, but they don't get recognized until someone talks about them. I feel like do the right thing is a perfect example of this conversation taking place. So as a black artist and a black filmmaker and a black actor, I um, I definitely um, accept the responsibility of telling these stories and starting these conversations. Yeah, on that note, I definitely feel like 
a lot of like theater and film that has to do with the black experiences can be super important to spread messages about black struggle and what it means to be black to non-black people. But I also think that one of the greatest ways to create change through those media is by trying to tell the story in a way that can connect to black audiences specifically. Because for me, I feel like when I see black stories being told, especially when it's clear that it's from a black perspective and when it centers black people in blackness and doesn't center white people in black stories, I feel like I feel more valued. I feel more inspired as an artist and just as a black person trying to live in this country. And I think that that can cause a lot of change too in terms of touching black people and helping black people feel that sense of community and feel like they can have a voice in society. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like Do the Right Thing was speaking to, to black people, which Absolutely. is why maybe a lot of white people were like, I don't get why, why Mookie did that. And, and, and Spike Lee said like, well, I think, you know, a lot of black people got it, you know, right. like at the time. Definitely. And- I think that's one of the things that was revolutionary about it was because it wasn't, well, first of all, it's a, it's a black filmmaker uh, making his film, but he wasn't making it to educate white people. He was making it just to show his own perspective and black people would understand that and white people would, would get it 30 years later. Right. It wasn't like the help. Yeah. Max, um, when did you get into acting and what inspired you to do so? Well, I was 13 years old um, and I had to be in a musical for eighth grade. I was in the Adams Family. (laughs) (laughs) I played Pugsley and (laughs) yeah, Um, and I wasn't I didn't enjoy myself so much during the rehearsal process. But then Showtime finally came and I got to deliver my solo and the feeling of the applause was just something I had never experienced before. And that's really what got me into it. I wouldn't say the applause is what drives me or motivates me so much now, but that feeling is definitely what got me addicted to begin with. That's awesome. Miles. Wow. Yeah. Really breaking in the old childhood memories with this one. (laughs) Um, Where to begin? No, I'm kidding. But, um, yeah, um, I want to say I got into acting at the ripe old age of nine. Um, my dad, my dad is a film buff. Um, he's just a big like old school film buff. And so when I was nine, he was showing me um, this movie that I guess recently came out, something like that. And it was Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one. Mm. And, um, you know, I had seen the movies before. I had seen like other movies that he's shown me before. I was just like, okay, yeah, this is just another movie, you know, da-da-da-da, let's just go spend some time with my dad. But it was around the end, and I don't really know what it was, but Jack Sparrow, or I guess Johnny Depp, he was, you know, doing something with his body, and he was just, like, really just moving and, like, encapsulating, like, the idea of this character. And I just sort of found myself, like, going into a trance, like, just captivated by the performance you know, and I really couldn't get up from my seat. And I just like sat there and just witnessed this. And then the movie went through the, there was the falling action, everything like that. It ended credits rolled. And then I just got up and I realized I want to do that. You know, I want to, I want to do that and make and recreate that feeling in others. 
you know, I want to create that experience for other children, for other people, for other artists who want that as well. And my love for the craft has evolved over time, but I always like to think back to that original feeling that it gives me to make someone else also experience that feeling. That's awesome. What was the, because I know for me, like, yeah, I loved acting since I was a kid, but it's, it's like a choice to decide. Like we're all in the experimental theater wing at Tish and like, we're doing this like, you know, three days a week from nine to six, like we're, we're devoting so much of our time to it and getting BFAs and stuff. Like, was there, was there a specific time that there was a choice of like, okay, this is like what I'm doing, doing, like, I'm going to go to college for this. Like, I'm just really sinking like my, <laughs> my desires for my life into this career. Cause it's crazy. I mean, it's, I feel, I feel crazy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel that uh, over time, like over my life, there have been a lot of moments where I keep making that decision. Actually, um, when I first started, I, I think I got into acting at nine, but I really started at like 10. I had to use that year to get myself on my feet. And I went for it for a really long time, like all throughout like elementary school. I think it was like the beginning of middle school that I had my first break. And it wasn't because I hated acting or didn't like it. I just sort of stopped. And I was like, mm, okay, maybe this will work out. Maybe it won't. I'm just going to let it rest. And that feeling came back in the form of a new performance that I watched and a new experience that I watched. And I decided again, yeah, I want this again. And that's sort of how it's happened over my life. Like I've taken breaks and breaks, but the feeling comes back and I remind why I wanted to do it. And so then in that moment, I make the decision, I have to do this. And actually recently along my college career, I've uh, found myself making the same decision with a more, with like a bigger passion and a bigger drive because now it's not just something I'm doing on the side of school. It's like, now this is real. You know, now this is like going into my career and that is scary, but it also excites me. And that's why it's like pushing me even further. So yeah, you keep making that decision in my experience. I feel like for me, the decision to really go all in with it came a lot later than it does for a lot of other young acting students I talked to. Um, I didn't really know that that's what I was going to do until my senior year of high school, like the fall of my senior year. Uh, I was in rehearsal one day and it ended and I just had been thinking a lot about what I wanted to do with my life. And there was just nothing but what I had just done that I wanted to do. And I was like, okay, then I just need to make that decision because I could pick something that is quote unquote safer, but I would rather pick something that's going to make me feel happy and feel satisfied with my choice. And even if I fail at doing that, I would rather try and hope for the best. Um, and I think Miles brought up a really important point that you definitely keep making the decision over and over. Even now I have doubts all the time. I think, did I make a mistake? Is there something I would be better suited for? But then I think, well, what do I want to do? And it's act. And I just keep making the decision. Who are your favorite actors and actresses, maybe when you were younger and then now in the present? See, I'm picking. <laughs> See, I, I'm, I'm a picky person. So, because this is how this happens. I'm a very picky person. So I'll be like, oh, yeah, it's this one person. Then a list pops up in my head and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, but no, um, 
I would definitely say that um before, like when I was a kid, I don't know if I was like intelligent enough to know like which actors I liked, but I did like performances from like stuff like um uh Peter Pan, The Incredibles, Lion King, you know, a lot of those childhood movies, but those performances that even if they were a cartoon mostly, they stuck with me. You know, the story stuck with me. And now that I'm a jaded old man, um, I can go back and <laughs> see um, see other performances for what they are. And I've grown to like uh, actors and actresses like Denzel Washington, um, Viola Davis. I really like Benedict Cumberbatch. And um, the late Chadwick Boseman honestly has definitely mm-hmm. become one of my favorites um, just because he's he is currently still such an inspiration to, uh, I feel like, a lot of people, a lot of uh, artists of color. I feel like mine is kind of a silly answer because when I was a kid, my favorite actor was Logan Lerman because I thought he was cute and there was really nothing (laughs) else to it besides that. Um, Wait, isn't that the boy from uh, the wolf, like Perks of Being a Wallflower? Yeah. Okay, I know who that is. (laughs) Funnily, I hadn't actually seen him in uh, Wallflower. I saw him as Percy Jackson. That was my first exposure to him. Um, now I would definitely say Viola Davis is at the top of my list. Uh, Sandra Oh, I really love. And mm-hmm. Jessica Lange. And it's just something about her voice for me. I feel like lots of actors have like a specific signature or something special, like some body part that they work really well. For Jessica Lange, for, I feel like it's her voice. And just anytime she's in a scene with anyone, I feel like I'm always waiting for her to start talking again because it just has such a command over me. Uh, what are you liking her in? Is it the American Horror Story? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then she... I loved her again in The Politician. Everything she works oh. a lot with Ryan Murphy. Oh, yeah. always yes. excellent. Yes, yeah, she's great. Um, and also, yeah, Chad- Viola Davis, Chadwick Boseman. Um, yeah, those are. And we saw them both and- in um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I I watched that, and then I had my parents watch it because I was like, "You guys, this is like one of the best movies." Like, it's always movies so that come from plays that really get me. <laughs> Maybe I just like Definitely. plays. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this mini sode is, I said, a companion to our "Do the Right Thing" episode. Um, do you have other movies about the black experience that you would recommend? Um, could you recommend for us and mm, for yeah. our listeners? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I feel this one. This one's very recent. Um, it just came out. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, with uh, oh, yeah. Keith Stanfield, Daniel Kaluuya, Jesse Plemons, and uh, Dominique Fishback. Really, really great. Really powerful. Um, that just—it's so good. It captures sort of that uh, the Black Panther movement and um, other factions of that movement that was going on. Very sad, but I think it definitely encapsulates sort of everybody's mindset of what was going on in that time. And it's real. It's it's really real. So I definitely would uh, recommend that one. Also, this one is an old movie, and I'm not entirely sure who hasn't seen it by now. But um, Hidden Figures with Taraji P. Henson and Octavia mm. Spencer and Janelle Monet. That one's a really great movie because um, I feel like if black men in this world are underappreciated and undervalued that goes double for our black women and to see like what they do behind the scenes that really 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 matters that is a that is a really good movie about that how about you max um 
my go-to is always uh, Moonlight, just because that one really um, stuck out yes. to me. Yeah, uh, talks a lot about masculinity and queerness in the Black community, uh, which often sometimes I feel like gets overlooked. So that's something I really enjoyed that the movie dealt with. Yeah, that uh, I love that movie. Um, I'm watching the American Film Institute's Top 100 Films is like a project I've been doing. They have one Black director one movie by black director on it. It came out, the list came out in 2007. Uh, still, that's not a good excuse. Uh, they have it's to do the right thing. not that long ago. <laughs> no. Yeah. And my hope is to have watched all these movies and then throw some off and bring some on for my own list. <laughs> and uh, I have uh, Moonlight on there, but also um, Get Out because I think that such a good, a, a great movie. It's definitely and a great movie. I'm always looking for, out. yeah, for more non-white guy movies that i can put <laughs> on the list yeah that's the majority of there's no there's no women or female directed uh, movies on that list so we'll, we'll try to fix that um yeah this question's for both of you did you have black tv shows and movies that you got to watch a lot as a child proud family even if it was like cartoon I, I yeah, still think it counts. Family. I still think it counts. <laughs> yeah, sure, that counts. Uh, definitely a lot of good messages there. Um, you know, I didn't watch this as a child, but around like the beginning of high school, uh, my parents exposed me to shows like uh, Martin, the Jamie Foxx show, and uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I'll say I haven't watched them all consecutively, but <laughs> always a classic, and I do like those kind of shows. And I feel like, I feel like those kind of shows are just like, putting us on the map you know just like that exposure especially because like a lot of like you know those actors in a way that was like their start you know that's what kind of put them on the map so um yeah those are really good shows that i very much enjoyed growing up yeah i watched fresh prince for sure as a kid and i also was obsessed with the boondocks oh to this day one of my favorite shows ever (laughs) (laughs) so good yeah, Martin and Fresh Prince, those are shows that we watched back in when they were coming out live. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're old. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a question I feel like springs out of both of your guys' answers to that question, which is that we're, you know, we're all in the experimental theater wing for people who aren't like up in the know about all of Tish's studios that means that we get classes also in like directing and writing and it's a very like a place for acting but also devised work have you guys like since coming into school or or beforehand like are you interested as an artist in like also creating your own work um and has that like changed since coming to NYU yeah, um, most definitely. Um, I'll say before coming to NYU, I was having more of a mind for acting. Um, like I had done things before. Um, I had to direct my own one act uh, for my senior project in high school. But that was mostly because I had to, not necessarily because I wanted to. I feel like I've always had an eye for it. I just never sewed into that. But um, getting into the school and getting into ETW, I will say that it's... it's um it's made me realize the variety of the things that I actually have interests in. And so, um, yeah. like, definitely, like, 
even that's why I changed my Instagram bio like way back when to actor, director, dancer, etc. You know, because I do like to write as well as act, as well as direct, as well as, you know, so there's all sorts of things that I found out, oh, wow, I really like doing this. And um, yeah, seeding into that is definitely something that ETW's helped me do a lot more. Yeah, I definitely feel like I had a similar experience. When I first got into NYU, I was like, I'm just going to act. I don't want to get quote unquote distracted is how I viewed it by other artistic interests. Um, but then I ended up directing a show the last term of uh, high school, which I really enjoyed. And I feel like I always had sort of an interest in writing. And both of those two things have only been nurtured since coming to NYU. And I feel like I definitely have a lot more of an interest in creating as well as acting. It makes me think of Spike Lee because I just think of him as like a director and a writer. And like sometimes I forget, like he plays the lead and do the right thing. And is like, like holds his own amongst like famous like incredible performers um and i guess you know i don't like think actor immediately when i think of him but i do think that something that i've definitely learned is like it's it's so not binary like it's not you're a writer or a director or an actor like especially if you want to in like the theater industry right now i think you kind of want to be a lot of those things and you can be which is nice <laughs> yeah i don't get how he does that i mean the actors who are not directing are in their trailers or in some other room getting their makeup and their hair and their wardrobe and they're getting ready mentally to do the scene and other people are setting up the scene with the lighting and the props and getting everything in place and and the director has to be involved when he's getting his makeup on, is is nobody directing the lighting? Do they have to set that up? Is he awake like like <laughs> 20 hours a day setting stuff up? Then he has to go and get his hair done and his wardrobe. And then he's got to do dailies at the end of the day after removing the makeup. Well, one of the things I read about what he said recently when someone asked him, uh, do you have any advice for uh, like young artists and directors and actors? And he said, like, I think he said, do the work, work your ass off. You can't let it, um, you know, take it easy. You actually have to work really, really hard. So that's probably how he must do it. He wow. just has a really, really great work ethic. And if it were me, 20 hours a day. I would hire the best possible assistant director I could. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like there is, like, how can society in general support young black men and women in people um, of all genders in becoming artists and actors and directors? Like, do you feel like there's enough support out there or how, how do you, how could you have been supported more? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I feel like there's so many things like uh, that could be done, but um, I guess to sum it all up, I would probably say one is the biggest thing is just listen. Um, feel like for years there's been spaces where it's like um you know like people hear you but they don't listen to you you know like a black man a black woman can come into a space and be like i have an idea it's like oh, okay so your idea but they're you know they're not really taking it in they're not really like appreciating your time or like respecting it i feel like listening is definitely a big thing i also feel like constantly like creating those opportunities is definitely something that like can be done and not just for acting but throughout all of the creative fields so for instance if maybe a white director wants to tell like a black story 
maybe actually ask a black director or a black writer to tell those stories. You know, there are films out right. there that exactly. this hasn't been done and it shows all I'm going to say. So <laughs> definitely doing something like Second that. Yeah, definitely, definitely creating those opportunities definitely helps. And yeah, just listen and really just be open to change. I feel like the biggest thing in society is like we say, we got to make a change. We got to be, we got to make a change, but you can't really make a change or change can't happen if the people that you're trying to reach aren't willing to make that change. You know, it, it can't happen. Yeah. So it's a two-way streak. And I definitely feel like, uh, yeah, it takes two to tango. My biggest thing I think is funding. Um, there's tons of black creators and black students who are looking to become creators who have all this intelligence and inspiration and just don't have the money to fund it, whether that's their education, whether that's the projects, whatever it may be. I just think as much funding as we can channel into talented young black people <laughs> would be really helpful. I know lots of people, myself included, who are going into serious debt to try to get as much uh as much training and as much access as we can. Um, and it's it's tough. I think that as much funding as young black artists can get. Um, do you guys have anything that you want to plug that uh, where people can find you online or any shows or anything? Uh, yeah, actually, now that you mention it, um, we I just uh, wrapped a few projects these last few weeks. Um, one of them, uh, the title of it's called Crime Pays. It's a little <laughs> short film that my friend wrote, brought me in on it, and uh, a ton of really great um, hands have been working on this project, directed and written by the uh, the great Elijah Gordon. I say that because he's my boy, uh, also known as the Solomon. <laughs> um, yeah, we just finished wrapping for that, and uh, that's going to be dropping soon, so keep your eye out for that. And um, yesterday I actually just wrapped uh, another project that um, – doesn't really have a name yet, and uh, can't say too, too much about it, but uh, that'll most likely be dropping at the end of the semester, so uh, keep your eyes out for that, too. Uh, at the moment, I'm not working on anything, just focusing on school right now. And you might just be off of Instagram soon, too, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're working on that self-growth. Got to work on that self-growth. Well, thank you. Thank you both so much for being on. Yeah, it was great to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for having yeah, us. Thank you so much. Uh, I am really excited to see whatever you guys are doing. And someday when not too long, when you're out there working, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I know. I know them. <laughs> and you'll have to say hi to me because I, I do know you now. Strings attached. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for having thank us. Thank you. This is great. Like Film Fam, Inspired by True Events? Subscribe to hear more stories that inspired our favorite films. For photos and links from the show and other shenanigans, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook as Film Fam Inspired by True Events. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for movies that you'd like us to do, please email us at filmfampodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you all for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>